listening to the one two three show with me noreen mayor on this wednesday afternoon and i'm super super excited to welcome back to the studio cruzy mccalligan how are you doing cruz hello i'm good how's it going in your little corner of um weirdness <laughs> It's in our world. <laughs> How do you even start a conversation at this point in time? I know. Have you washed your hands? <laughs> Have you washed your hands recently? Yes, three times since being in the station. I'm just going to point that out, okay? I don't blame you. But, uh, you know, all our cleaning ladies um, and, and workmen are working around the clock. They clean almost every they're two amazing. hours. Yeah, yeah or Every hour. Yeah. So yeah. You, don't worry, you will not catch coronavirus from listening to RDHK Radio 3. Exactly. <laughs> and if you want to see and hear Cruzy, you can uh, go on to the Facebook page, uh, Cruz on RTHK Radio 3 or also on Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. We actually changed the mic covers. I mean, Cruz, if you can just yeah, very look. kindly point to the mic cover. I'll point to it with a pen. I won't even touch it with my actual hand. We actually, <laughs> that's a brand new one. It is. And we basically put a new one on for all the guests who come into the studio. And as you know, um, most of our guests are actually over the phone these days. Yeah. It's true. I miss human interaction. I know it is a bit like that, though. It's it, we. It, that's my biggest fear about this: is we end up being suspicious of one another because I'm such an more advocate than for before. The, more than before, and I'm such a big advocate that we're social animals, and it's yeah. so important for us to look at each other. I'm a laughter yoga instructor, Noreen. I, yeah. I believe in connect, look, making eye contact and laughing in someone's face, which obviously right now would be a prize way to make a lot of enemies in a very short amount of time. Um, anyway, that, none of that is anything we're talking about today what are we talking, we're talking about, about something a little bit happy and fun well some of it's happy and fun some of it's not so fun but we're going to talk about it anyway cartoons we're talking about cartoons love a bit of cartoons yes I have to and say. um we both have children yes. so cartoons if they weren't already a part of your life because i'm not judging adults who continue to watch cartoons past the age written on the television right um that uh they obviously become a part of your life again and then you get very good at discerning and curating which ones are not annoying to have on in the background while you're trying to do something and entertain your child at the same time right i'm just going to get this out of the way my mum, bless her she's going to be 60 this year she loves cartoons <laughs> you know some days i'll just call her up and, and catch up with her i'll be like oh you know what, what are you doing later she's like oh i'm just preparing some food i'm like oh you know do you have friends coming over and she's like no no i'm i'm just gonna watch some cartoons later at 4 30 you know on, on tvb or yeah, whatever like every other 11 year old in the city as they've come in from school snacks oh, I know. Bless. Bless her. but it's a lovely thing a cartoon really in in so many ways and you think it, it is this really interesting concept like that animation of creating something that is a two-dimensional picture and then bringing it to life and of course um it has an incredible history and its history starts quite intertwined with the you know the history of art in general because if you think about it people you know a cartoon is for the most part a simplified version of something it's a caricature or a you know an artistic interpretation or a graphic illustration it's not photo real most of the time when we think about cartoons and of course if you think about a cave painting those aren't ten those, those are not photo realistic either so there is this kind of overlap with cartoons and um, the word is i the word cartoon which is a fun word right um it's either derived from the italian word carton or the dutch word carton which are both words describing a strong thick or heavy paper or pasteboard so that like, like cardboard yeah ah. like a carton and um that's probably because these sorts of illustrations the kind of cartoon caricature illustrations we originally done on sturdy pieces of paper um 
because they were used before they were for a finished work. So somebody would use that paper before they maybe made something like a painting, a tapestry or stained glass or something. They were using that heavy card. And artists then used cartoons to form frescoes. So they do kind of a, a rough a rough idea, you know, like a little spoof version before they went ahead and painted the ceiling in the chapel or whatever it was, right? Um, so there's this kind of incredible... Um, history behind cartoons and most the origins of the modern cartoons so when we think about all of the hundreds and hundreds of modern cartoons we have began as caricatures and even artists like Leonardo da Vinci um, was used caricatures to provide definite shape and form the features of their subjects before it was like shorthand it was like artistic shorthand right like you didn't have to make a statement it was kind of just a capturing the essence of it quite quickly um, but it was a man called William Hogarth who developed the pictorial satire and that's what became the precursor to the development of political and editorial cartoons which was kind of where it really originated. Before we had Mickey Mouse we had people mocking Germans you know that kind of thing and um, it was around this same, um, this same era where cartoonists were sort of playing with this sort of playful and whimsical style for caricatures and they drew cartoon characters and associated them with humour to present social events and fashions of the day and stuff like that. And and during the French Revolution, so 1789 to 1799, um, cartoonists used their form of production as a form of satirical propaganda. So it was very powerful. Like, it's something very eye-catching about a cartoon. I mean, I'm not a huge cartoon watcher myself. I'm very selective in what I can watch. Um, but I also feel like I'm one of those people now that I, I saw a meme the other day, like as an aside, I saw a meme that said, you know, once upon a time I was young and fun and now I'm turning the radio down so I in the car so I can see better. I'm like, yeah, that's totally <laughs> what I'm like. So like... <laughs> that's me. That's me, right? So I feel that a little bit like that with cartoons. Like if they're on, I'm like, I can't stop watching. I'm like, turn it off. It's so distracting. What sorts of cartoons did you sort of grow up watching? Oh, I think I watched kind of like Cartoon Network kind of cartoons. Yes. That was probably my era. Like The Simpsons as well. That was mm. something. I never watched South Park, which is, I guess, a slightly different. It is a cartoon, but it's a different. It's not like a children's cartoon, yeah. right? How about you? I, I grew up watching Sailor Moon and just whatever sort of rubbish cartoons were, were on TVB back in the day um, <laughs> as, a, as a means to, to learn Cantonese. But Sailor Moon was, was one of my favorite one. Um, I remember watching Dragon Ball oh, sure. for, for, for yeah. a while. I love the Japanese animation, uh, you know, those sort of cartoons uh, um, also. Um, and now I like to watch uh, Bo uh, a Bojack Horseman. Is that the one? Oh, yeah, I've heard yeah, of that. That yep, one sure, is, is quite sure. funny um, sometimes. And I like South Park for a while. Okay, yep. yeah. I can't watch South Park because they once did a horrible episode that was mean about redheads. Uh, and on principle, I won't watch it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Family Guy is also Family quite, Guy? Yeah, yeah, that's a fun one. That, that's but an it, adult it, one. It is, it's just a really interesting... But it's just really interesting that there's this whole medium. And I think, especially for children, it's fascinating how quickly they find cartoons so appealing. You know, like we know, you know, all, for all our best intentions, you have a child today and you're like, we won't give them any screen time. We're going to just give them little wooden blocks made in Scandinavia that they can play with and they're not allowed to look at a phone or a TV or anything. Thanks, and you can't coronavirus. Help it yeah. <laughs> but then you, they do. They see a TV, you know, three kilometres away in a window and they bang if it's playing cartoons they're just captivated there's something really compelling about cartoons and fun about cartoons and i think we also forget that there's it is an art form and it's a difficult art form you know if if we go all the way back to like the 
basic animation, the fact that someone had to individually draw pictures one after another to to create the tiniest little movement. It's quite mind-blowing. Like you a know? flip book. Like a flip book. It's amazing. And, um, so International Animation Day, um, which happens... There is, an, there is an International Animation Day, which I think is October 28th. So it's nowhere near where we are right now. I haven't timed this audio column well at all. But um, there was... There was um, one of the first public performances of an animation was um, in Paris in 1892, and it showed a 15-minute animation called, called Pavre Pierrot, and it was made from 500 hand-painted images. It was 15 minutes, and it took 500 pictures. Bang, 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 bang. It's like kind of like stop-motion animation today. We think is so amazing, but in the day, you know, that kind of flip book technology that's huge amounts of work that goes into that and flip books themselves so that was um they came around you know flipping the pages of a book yourself we had to animation. make one at school i know isn't it just a i, no, I think I year five is yeah. what... <laughs> it's like a patience activity i couldn't do it um but they um they were patented by a printer called john barnes in birmingham in um uh, 1868 so they've been around for quite a long time as well so we we can see all these different um these different ways that people have created animation um, we see uh, that the the first full-length cartoon film was Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in 1937. So that's a really big deal. That's a full-length animated film. Um, and the film won a Special Academy Award for Innovation. You know, it, <laughs> it was it so won an award innovative. For innovation. And the award was presented to Disney by Shelley Temple, Aww. which is a cute little side fact. Um, so then... We have all of these kind of different ideas. The first uh, animated cartoon character to have a statue erected in his honor was Popeye in 1937. Um, so, which, which, um, and they put up uh, a statue of him in a place uh, called Crystal City, which is the spinach capital of the USA. So, it's like amazing how these characters become really intertwined with kind of pop culture and things as well, you know, and really recognized. And like Donald Duck is kind of. Like, I mean, I find some of those characters annoying now, but you think once when they first were created, how revolutionary that concept must have been of like these animated animals talking and moving and wearing some clothes. Well, <laughs> every time somebody says Donald Duck, I always think, where are his pants? Yeah, actually, it's true, though. Where are, where are his pants? And I think it's funny because before I started researching this, I'd forgotten about how many cartoons there are because there are so, so many. I'm um, like, for example, I forgot about the Flintstones, right? The Flintstones uh, was the most profitable network cartoon franchise for 30 years before Whoa. it was uh, usurped by The Simpsons. Before Simpsons, yeah. Yeah, so they, it's like it's amazing these kind of generations of different cartoons echoing what people kind of want to want to think about. Um, in Japan, a few foreign cartoons, including Bob the Builder, uh, were suggested to be edited and add a fifth finger to the character's hands because um, in <laughs> in, um, in Japanese in Japan, um, having only four fingers usually implies that you're a member of the Japanese mafia. So they were like, I need to put a fifth finger. Interestingly, I did see that um, these some of these things that we, we've seen as kind of um, I guess like markers in cartoons, like uh, conventions, things like having a a gloved hand with big fingers like the mickey mouse glove for example is for for a good reason it's because it's so much easier to do that with the hand animations that they used to do to rather than redrawing five, five fingers, fingers every time they just create this simplified hand like a glove because it was so much easier to do that yogi bear and a lot of other um, cartoons from that era that you might have seen who wear like a collar is because they wouldn't have to um they wouldn't have to redraw the body they could just redraw the head and then stick it on you know what wow. I mean? Because otherwise they were having to redraw the whole thing all the time. Yeah. So there's like, 
these little things that people were trying to make that we think is like, oh, of course, just it's really common for cartoons to just to wear, wear gloves. gloves. <laughs> it's actually just because the <laughs> animators are like, I'm not sitting here for the next six months drawing five fingers, pulling on a lever. You know, this is ridiculous. So it's kind of it's kind of fascinating in that way. Um, they they also have like things like um, you know Scooby Doo. Like Scooby Doo is a cartoon I completely forgot that existed. Um, but interestingly, there was a um, there was uh, another another like another one that we all talk about is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah! In 1987, um, in 1987 they added Bebop and Rocksteady to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so there was more Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that was really because the toy company wanted more characters to sell. So that was a commercial decision, not a narrative-led decision. Um, apparently, um, Walt Disney personally hated one of the characters created by his um his franchise them enormously guess which character he hated really really hated this character and, and pluto um it was actually goofy so it was close oh. yeah he hated goofy oh. um, and he found its cartoons to be really stupid but the only reason he didn't axe the character is because it gave so much work to so many animators oh. it was a, it was it was a, it was really the employer of, of for, for all these incredibly talented animators had to animate goofy so you if you were the goofy animators like, i can't get rid of the character because they're going to be without a job um which i think is also kind of um fascinating um of course we do have uh, things like um you know like today we have to understand that people can be a little bit political about cartoons as well and they can have a bit of an an impact and i think they're kind of resurging in that way that people are getting more interested in cartoons again and that kind of like cartoon culture but it wasn't always something that wasn't considered like high i think today people think if you say oh, i'm a cartoonist Okay, maybe our generation would think, oh, that's so cool and edgy and millennial. Yeah. And maybe others would think <laughs> it was kind of, but you know what I mean. Um, you know, like, like being a, a digital ninja or something. And then, um, but I mean, it was a real craft. And, you know, uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons, um, they won seven Oscars. Wow. Seven Oscars. You know, like that was, it used to kind of be, I guess, a little bit more appreciated i suppose in a way um than it is than it is now nowadays yeah but um i don't know i mean i think um they also say that um we you know people used to talk about saturday morning cartoons you'll have a lot of people like oh well saturday it's fine kids can watch cartoons on saturday morning um and apparently the reason that saturday morning cartoons actually kind of vanished in the early 2000s and it didn't really happen much this would have been after we were kids right and um this was largely due to a thing called the children's tv act which required stations to have three hours of educational informational programming per week and i guess they considered cartoons weren't really that i feel like cartoons in a way kind of bridge that a little bit they do have lessons to be learnt from a cartoon um, but to avoid um, stations affiliates scheduling educational programming during their weekday shows which obviously made them money because that's when adults are tuning in and they're selling advertising space and things they took the programming they put it on Saturday mornings because it wasn't as important for you know it wasn't as important for kids to like oh it's fine kids aren't going to probably going to buy as much as an adult Ed. watching friends at 7 30 in the evening right so that's why they kind of disappeared for a little while which i think is a bit of a shame because there's something quite magical and also parents just for, probably want yeah, a nap yeah, exactly, on a exactly. saturday I'm about to say, I'm like, the saturday morning line is so much easier if your child is occupied with something screeching and running around a tv at very high speed suppose nowadays we've got youtube yeah exactly yeah. but it doesn't have the same magic does no. it it's like i feel like if you can tv on demand is not quite the same 
gamers, the ones that we used to, you know, there's more anticipation with the TV ads. And And I think it's something for like once upon a time, you didn't really get a say in it. And now my daughter can tell me exactly which cartoon she wants to watch. And And which episode, the one with Santa Claus. I'm like, it's not (laughs) even Christmas. No, you can watch whatever they come, how they come. Um, But I have quite a few cartoon quotes as well to end on today. The first one is from Stephen Hawking. Oh, yes. Yeah, you wouldn't expect. And he said, I like physics, but I love cartoons. And I think that's really beautiful and quite a special thing for him to say. Um, Charles M. Schultz, so he was the creator of the Peanuts. Snoopy, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. He said, uh, cartooning is preaching, and I think we have a right to do some preaching. I hate shallow humour. I hate shallow religious humour. I hate shallow sports humour. I hate shallowness of any kind. So like, he saw himself as like, he's a cartoonist, and he really saw himself as being... You know, quite uh, making some real statements in the world, right? Um, Salman Rushdie, um, which I think this is interesting in today's day, age of modern cartooning, I suppose, and modern animation and modern caricature. He says, a question I have often asked is, what would an inoffensive political cartoon look like? What would a respectful cartoon look like? The form requires disrespect. And so if we're going to have in the world things like cartoons and satire, we just have to accept it as part of the price of freedom. Which I think is interesting food for thought, because as we talked about a little bit, there's this idea with cartoons that they are kind of like a stereotypical shorthand. You know what I mean? They they take elements of, of things and they and they're not always politically correct they're not always no. scientifically accurate if you've ever watched Wiley Coyote or anything there's the family not, guy. yeah anything right <laughs> but I mean is that is there a place for that I mean I'm not saying I agree or disagree I'm thinking it's a really interesting concept in today's world about whether or not cartoons are you know like can they be can you have a cartoon that's, that's politically yeah, yeah I mean for children they can be pretty vanilla I suppose, but in political satire, I think it's interesting. Anyway, final quote is from James Jean-Pierre, who said, grown-ups could learn a lesson from watching cartoons. And I think that's an important one, because I think when you do sit down, and sometimes you do have to sit down and watch a cartoon with a child to make sure it is suitable, you do learn a couple of things, right? There's, you know, these animators work hard, and they have some lessons in there, and they have some jokes in there, and they have some things in there to spark inspiration and create ideas. And, you know, I think sometimes we, we all think we're above a cartoon, but cartoons can be incredibly entertaining. They and can that's be. that's a value. Exactly. Yeah. I do find the cartoons these days uh, quite fast-paced, though. Yeah, I they're too quick. They're, they're too, too quick. quick. I agree. How they're do too they, quick. Whereas before, we were able to learn language and to learn the... Uh, but nowadays, they just talk too fast. They're too fast. I think maybe. it's just our world. Everyone thinks if, you know, it's a joke a minute. Maybe we're just getting old. Maybe the yeah. kids are just yeah, catching yeah. on they just fine. We yeah. just can't keep up. Sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cruz, thank you so much for your time this week. Until next time, thank you very much.